ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. My guest this week is An Lee Tampier, coming to us all the way from Singapore, which is really exciting. And um, originally, we met because she reached out and was looking for some um, North American um, exposure, I would think. And uh and I'm happy to oblige because we had actually a lovely first conversation and found that we had so many things in common that it was really fun to talk to her. So a little bit, first of all, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me, Janice. It's a really pleasure. nice. My pleasure. So on helps writing coaches get more clients. Now, yes, exactly. Yeah. So writing coaches get more clients. And as a writer herself and a trained book coach, and business owner, she definitely understands as no one else their particular challenges. Beyond her literary experience, she worked for 10 years as a business consultant in the public and private sectors. And now she focuses, she's more streamlined her business and it's all about helping uh, writing coaches. And I thought that in itself was kind of interesting on because um, I know a lot of writing coaches, but I've never heard of coaches that coach writing coaches. <laughs> I, I get that every time yes exactly it's a yeah. it's a very specific niche uh, but like you said in the introduction um writing coaches have very specific challenges um so you know we have coaches for yoga studios or um florists so why not having one for writing coaches especially after COVID, so many people seem to have discovered that they have this passion to write a book, but mm -hmm. so many also don't know the existence about writing coaches. So for me, it was really, you know, we have this, these writers who want to write a book, but don't know where to start. And we have those writing coaches who are more than willing to help those write and who have this expertise. Mm -hmm. So let's connect them together. And um, I hope to have that, to be that link between the writer and the writing coach so that we can get really nice books out there. So, okay, so that, that begs another question to clarify. So you don't necessarily coach the writing coaches then? I do. I, I coach yeah. the writing coach. Oh, okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I'm talking about a connector because, of course, yeah. if you're a writer and you don't know where to start, and you don't know it exists a writing coach, but at the other hand, writing coaches, it seems for me that writing coaches do have that issue of how to get out there, how to raise awareness, not just for their business, but for the entire industry. So oh. that's when I use the word connector as just really helping the writing coaches um, get their awareness, get out there, um, be seen mm -hmm. as something really valuable because it can just be a life transforming challenge of our journey to work with a writing coach. Um, so that's why I use the word connector. And I love that word because I'm a connector and I love to um, connect people and also build relationships. And so I think, so um, would you say then that you're creating a, an, that's the wrong word, stable, a stable of, uh, or a list of uh, a database of uh, writing coaches and you like to find the right match for the people that you talk to who want to write a book, let's say. 
Um, I don't do the matching process. Um, it's just for me, you know, getting my my coaches out there um, or, you know, any writing coach, just let them out there so that we know writing coaches are there and you want to write a book, but you don't start, you know, that there's a writing coach out there. Um, right. But I don't do the matching process. Yeah. All right. So what what would you say are the top three things that someone should look for in a writing coach? Um. The first thing is, is there a, a, a connection? Um, yes. you know, is, is there a personal connection? Because um, what I hear from my book coaches is that um, working with a writer, it's a very personal process. So you have to be willing to put yourself out there. And I'm a writer myself. I know it's a very personal process. So do mm-hmm. it. Um, a second one is uh, see what how they build up their expertise. Um, so some people will say here, oh, you the writing coach has to have published 20 books. I don't agree with that one. You need someone. Wait, say that again. You went so fast. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'm a fast, I'm a fast speaker. So I'll. I'm trying I'll to keep up. You. Okay. Yes, exactly. So second one is how did they build up their expertise? Huh. Um, so for some people, it will be, oh, the book coach has to have published 20 books. I don't agree with that one. Um, it is more where that person comes from. And again, what is that personal personal fit? Um, and then third one, of course, is how you can work together. What is the method of the book coach? Every book mm-hmm. coach has his or her own specificities. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's like every coaching out there. So Um, I would say that the three things to look out if you're looking for a book coach. Okay. And um, so uh, the next thing that I think, like I know a lot of writing coaches, it seems, and uh, they all have, as I know, they all have their own style. And I actually interviewed a woman on my podcast twice (laughs) and she's a real entrepreneur. And she is, uh, she says that her method of getting people to write their book is mostly uh, speech to writing. So they don't know how to write it. So she gets them to say it, to spill it out. And then she'll go through and do the writing either with them or for them. Mm. What do you think about that method? Um, I've never heard about it, but I think it's, really? a, it's a really great method. The, the only thing is, I think that then she's probably more like a book coach and a ghostwriter at the same time. So maybe, maybe, maybe uh, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but I think I, it's a yeah, it's a very interesting method. If indeed, again, it's a very personal thing, yeah. and I feel writing, yeah, it always makes it um, real what you're writing down. Um, so yes, put it to speech. Why not? Actually, it's a really great method. Um, hmm. So um, with also with writing coaches, do you look at? Uh, do you mostly work with um, people who write fiction or business books or self help books or any particular niche that you? enjoy most or do you cover them all because you yeah I I cover them all because I don't really go into the in their expertise so when a book coach comes to me um we will for example I I I will do that work with them okay do you prefer to work with fiction writers or business writers um but I don't go into their method or their way of working we really set up the business space uh, and make that they can get themselves out there we work on the marketing the budget the roadmap that kind of thing um so yeah i i don't niche in a particular book coach with a specific genre uh, from the moment you're a book coach you're welcome and then we'll work on that specific thing because i do think that it's good as a book coach to have a specific niche um i i think you might say that that's one of my like elements of my method um, okay. because it just makes it easier and every genre is different you're not going to coach a writer the same way you do if it's a fiction book or is it a business book 
Yes, I'm sure. I mean, writing is, I'm a, I'm a better editor than I am, I think, a writer. I love to give me that pen, that red pen. And, you know, it's my teaching background, I think, when I used to mark English essays and things like that. But um, uh, what would you say is like a, a, a reasonable price for someone to pay to have, to help a coach help them write a book? Now, I know it depends on a lot of things, and I'm, I'm thinking more like that personal story or that business book that becomes their business card, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think if you're looking for a book coach, always have like a range of prices in your mind, like what is the maximum price you can you can put in there. Um, and then have a couple of conversations with book coaches, but don't let yourself being guided by that price tag at, at that point. Because writing a book, um, if you have a book coach who tells you, I promise you by the end of the year, your book is published and you get a bestseller, that's a red flag. No book can give you that. But writing a book with the right book coach, it can really transform your life. So mm-hmm. instead of focusing on the price, yes. focus on the feeling you have with the person because you're going to work with this person for a longer time and mm-hmm. you want to have the best book and you want to be very comfortable with that person. So first, identify your ball you are like the range in which you want if you if you only have a budget of four thousand then that's what you think is readable keep it to the four thousand and then look for book coaches in that price range but don't focus too much on the price because book it's like business coaching or even linkedin coaching um you put a price tag on it because mm-hmm. you know we're business owners we have to work we have to fill our fridge um yeah. but it can be so invaluable if this person works with you, has LinkedIn profile updated and get a job um, in the week after they update their LinkedIn profile, whether they have paid 5000 or 10000 or 15000 like, you know, the experience has been life-changing. So. Right. Now, I seem to recall when we talked the first time that you had an interesting story about how you got into this. Do you want to share that with my audience? Because I think, um, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. When I, yeah, yeah. Um, so, when yeah so in 2018 and um, I was in London and so I got pregnant and I decided to give myself like this last gift of freedom so I did a writing course signed up did the whole did the whole class um, and I didn't really have like big expectations of that writing course um, I just thought you know I will meet some people and I will catch up a little bit of trick and here but that was it um, and so if I go to going to the writing course, actually it was a life-changing journey because um, I started the course as being someone who occasionally dips her feet into writing and I came out of it as a full-fledged writer who's working on her first novel. Still not published, but hey, <laughs> you know, on our way. Um, and so after that, I moved to Singapore. So it's right, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in COVID. It's very difficult to find a job here. Uh, when I am um, interviewed, it's very much, you, know, you will not be able to spend time with your child. Uh, you know, you have to really work long hours. So I was like, okay, I can't, I can't do that. But the, the only possibility I saw was to become an entrepreneur, except that I had never thought about becoming a full-time entrepreneur. Um, so initially at the time I was a networking coach, took that full-time. I felt something was off. So I started browsing other things. Um, I think like, you know, let's, let's become a book coach. So that was immediately I signed up for a book coaching training because that's me. Like I have an idea and then I have to work on it. So yeah. I did the book coaching training. 
And I quickly started telling myself, there's something off here. You know, I saw the other book coaches being really enthusiastic and talking about their clients and having that sparkle. And I just didn't have it. Um, I was thinking, you know, it will come. It's just imposter syndrome or I'm not yeah. feeling well, you know, the, the whole the whole thing. And then I got my first client. I was like, oh, this is really, really not working out. Um, but I really felt like something is really, really wrong. But, you know, I, I've gone through that whole training. I decided to pivot and no longer do networking training. I couldn't go to corporate. So I was really like feeling stuck in where I was. So I was, okay, you know, I have to continue that. And then I got actually literally a sign of destiny um, because there was a book coach on the course and she said, Anne, would you like to help me with my, with my business? Um, you know, I see that you've been giving quite some good advice to the other book coaches. So I'm sure that if you help me, it will be useful. Um, so I was flattered, of course, um, with, of course. The, with her words. So I signed up and I remember really the first second from that first call that I really felt what I missed as a book coach. I had found a back as business coach um, because mm -hmm. I did realize that when I gave up my corporate career, mm -hmm. um, because I really wanted to be a hands-on mom, um, I, I wanted to give up the corporate and the inflexibility of its schedules but I really like to be a business consultant that was what I've been doing for the last 10 years and um, so it was yeah it was a long way to get to where I am today um, but yeah ever since I've I've just said you know this is it and I'll go full blow and um, I've been helping book coaches go from being business hobbyists to full-fledged business owners. Well, and I think you, you know, we need that journey to get us to where, where we we're able mm -hmm. to confidently say what we're doing, right? We need that. Yeah. We need that experience under us and we need that, um, all of those little, um, uh, sort of side gigs across uh, along the way that, that allow us to see what works and what doesn't work. And I think that's so important. I, I think though, sometimes my days are, have been long lately because, um, I think I need to streamline a little bit more because I'm doing too much on my own. And so you learn that as you move forward and, and then different things get in the way. And I was saying before we went on air that, you know, I think I love, I actually did my first in-person training, LinkedIn training session last Friday since before COVID. And, you know, that's a long time. And it was so great was to get back out in public and see the whites of people's eyes instead of their name across the screen, you know, because they didn't want to come on on a view, right, on, on video. And uh, so that was great. But um, but doing those sessions with the, you know, 40, 50 people or more in the room, now you've got to do the follow up. And so if I don't have that streamlined, which I don't at the moment, I guess, um, it's a lot of work. And so um, yeah, yeah. yeah, you have to sort of find those systems and streamline and get help and do all those things. And I'm sure that's the kind of thing that you help your clients with is the systems, right? Yeah, exactly. Like really setting up everything. Um, because like you say, it's, it's really difficult as a business owner um, to do it all on on your own um, and, and yeah. to figure out when is the right moment to do something or not to do something. Or um, I, I get lots of questions on social media, for example, um, should you be on nine social media accounts or should you just focus on one? So it's, yeah, it, it, it is too. difficult. Yeah. It's a difficult choice. And um, 
it, it gives you lots of freedom to be a, an entrepreneur, but it comes at a high price. Um, so yeah. you have to be really convinced of what you do. Um, and that's the thing I feel like for the first time in my professional life, I'm so happy with what I do. Um, but to get there, yes, it's not an easy, like, I'm, I'm really not the kind of person you will never see me say, oh, you know, on Friday, I lost everything. And on Monday, I was a billionaire, because over the weekend, I had figured out the thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I get you. I, those stories are amazing. But how true are they, right? They're very, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think some are true, but yeah. people don't share the difficulties behind it, like you just did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know. I, I For me, I'm my heart's on my sleeve. I can't help myself. So, you know, exactly. it is what it is. And um, um, so you've been working out of Singapore and have you been working with, where is your target audience come from up until this point? What, um, Australia and USA. Um, so because for the little story, I, when I arrived here in Singapore, I was not allowed to work here in Singapore. So I had to set up my business and do everything right from the start um, online because until then I wasn't allowed to work here. So just because of the immigration laws, you mean that? Yes, of- yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, um, uh, and the, so now, now you're venturing to the North American continent. Yes, absolutely. Because even when I was a networking coach, that was actually where my main public came from. Um, Because in the US um, and Australia, there's really this idea of, okay, you know, you have an issue, you want to reach an objective, get a coach. Um, I tried to work with French people, but the coaching industry and having a coach is not really in the, like it's not something accepted. So it's high maintenance <laughs> for the few work that you actually get out of it. In the French culture, you mean? Yes, yes, in the French culture. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then also, I'm, yeah, you know, I, I was raised in Belgium, so I have this Flemish culture and we're really known to be um, to the point. So there's no sugarcoating things, which again is a bit of a hit, um, like, it slashes some sides with the French because uh, if I have something, I have a question, I have a problem, I have a thing, I'll just Let's say, okay, Janice, what's the issue? (laughs) And I do that too, actually. I've been told I'm very direct. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why we hit it off right away when we talked. But, you know, like, but, but the French are, you yeah. So I'm just trying to think, I did a, I did a, a presentation once before COVID, somebody reached out to me, again, somebody who recommended somebody, I guess, and they were the French speaking chamber of commerce here in vancouver and um and they wanted me to do a thing on networking or linkedin or something i guess and here i was now standing in front of this group of people that were the french speaking chamber of commerce i don't speak french so of course i'm doing it in english right and trying to um get a sense of their sense of humor and there, you know, it was interesting. I mean, it was fine, but it was just different for me. Yes. Yeah. So I'm sure that the other way around, it's the same thing. But now here's an interesting point. You went to Australia and yet you you thought Australia and the U.S. Do you don't think yeah. Australia and Canada? Because we're connected, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, when I take like U.S., I speak North America for me. It's okay. like U.S., Canada. I know this is probably not how I should do it. No, no, I really love Canada. No, no. I really love Canada. Yeah, um, no, I was just teasing. But you. Yes. <laughs> yes. So what's your favorite kind of um, uh, now? I know you you have a fiction book in the works, 
but do you see a lot of coaches that are um, working with um, entrepreneurs, business owners today to get that business book, to get that, as I said earlier, that um, uh, business card in a book kind yeah. of thing? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely a thing. Excuse me. Is that still a thing? Is that still? Yeah. I was going to say I really see um, that more and more business owners are going for that book. Um, so it's definitely because also the self-publishing industry, for example, has really boomed, um, especially again over COVID. Um, so it's it's much easier if you want to write your business book, you can do it today. I'm not going to say how you know that the content yeah. will be amazing, but if you want to mm. publish something, uh, you can write it in an hour and put it on Amazon, and that's it. Um, you have published your business book. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something that I have uh, seen exploding. Um, and, it, and it's good yeah. as well, because sometimes you have techniques like the speech to text technique is something I never heard about. And I think it's really an amazing way of uh, working with your clients. Well, we'll talk offline about that. I'll sh share that person with you and see if you want to explore it. Um, so with book coaches and writing coaches today, I always hear, always hear, you need to write a book, Janice. You need to write a book. You don't have a book. You need to write a book. I don't want to write a book. So what do you say to somebody like me? If you don't want to write a book, you don't want to write a book. Um, uh, you know, sometimes I, the, the main thing I get with my book coaches is like, oh, everybody says that I have to be on Facebook because that's where the writers, but I hate Facebook. Then don't go on Facebook. Uh, there's yeah, so many marketing ways of getting yourself out there. Um, you know, you're someone who not afraid of putting yourself out there do presentations and the whole thing if that's your thing focus on that because mm -hmm. even if it seems an easy process and you can uh, kind of fast track writing your business book yeah. if this yeah. is not something you like then every single minute you're going to spend on your book is you know it's going to be a loss of time both for you and for your book coach because I would say Janice get a book coach over <laughs> okay um so tell me um tell me a story tell me a story about um a book coach that that you have guided to you know their business to make it improve it and what just do you have a story you can share um yes so i think um the client that one of the clients that really touched me the most this year um so that was lou and so lou came to me and she says okay i have this business um i'm really work with business writers but i'm a bit at the end of my ropes um I, I i don't really enjoy it as much as i did in the beginning but i don't know what to do and i might go to uh, literary fiction that's really what i would want to work in so my first idea was like oh lou be very careful here because literary fiction is one of the most difficult genres like to publish or to work in. It's really one. So you have to be really super 100% convinced mm -hmm. um, that this is what you want, because I also feel that's my role as a coach, right? Um, not to just to make it realistic and say to them, OK, we, we're building a financial viable business here. So you have to be really careful uh, where you go. And so I, I put in a bit of hesitation, doubt, and Lou came back to me and says, like, you know, this, this is really it. Um, so we set up this whole roadmap. And then um, I think it was like session two or three. So she had finally made that decision. She just sent me a message saying, Anne, I signed a client. 
a literary fiction. And I was like, what, what, <laughs> what happened here? Um, and, and this was the same person, you know, who in the beginning was really like, I don't know, maybe, you know, I should. Um, and I was really touched because she sent me a testimonial. And the first thing she said in that testimonial was, I can now confidentially say that I'm a literary fiction coach. Um, and I found, you know, that's it. That's that's the kind of sentences you work for. Um, because now she has really exploding. Um, she redid her website. Suddenly everything went in a, uh, in a yeah, in a fast track mode. So uh, I would say that that was definitely one of the clients I really enjoyed working with, and I'm the most proud of at this point. And I just checked, and you've got her recommendation on your LinkedIn profile. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget. <laughs> so many yes. Stories. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. Um, so let me see, what else do I want to know about, about coaching business coaches or writing coaches? Um, well, I'm curious because I know that you speak several languages. Yes. And at first you wanted to do your coaching business in French, and then you've kind of um, broad, broadened your base there. Um, do you find that um that you want to do you write in French um I wrote a couple of uh short stories and uh, I, I won a couple of competitions in French uh, but also in Flemish I'm a bit of a weird writer oh. so I do it I did it in the three languages but the more and more I get older it's it's really becoming very English speaking like uh, even my coaching business because um, initially I was a networking coach and I worked with clients in Paris and London so that's why I did French English um, but now that I'm here it, it's all becoming streamlined in English because um, of course it's amazing to work in several languages but it means each time a different marketing technique you're not going to market yourself the same way to a French-speaking person as you do to an English-speaking person um, and, and even I see like you're not I'm not going to target someone on the Australian market the same as I do in the US or the Canada it's you know a Canadian no, is not an Australian and it's, even though we speak the same language it's not the same really it's very different is it it's not very different but it's like um, you know for example one thing that I liked in Australia um, there's many clients with who I will talk and they will talk to me about their horses for example and I will less have that conversation with an American or a Canadian um, a Canadian might, might talk about the snow but I will not necessarily have that conversation with an Australian or an American so um, it, it's more a mentality or like I learned lots of new words as well in Australia so you know the bush is something you hear about but I didn't really know what it meant. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They do think differently. It's true. That's interesting. So um, I had a question for you and now it's gone from my head. Um, uh, the... No, it's gone. I have to go somewhere. Oh, I know what it was. It was about the fact that you used to be a networking coach Mm -hmm. And I was a networking coach. I loved teaching people how to network. So what was your premise there? Was it, a, was it like before COVID and it was face-to-face um, -face type of networking? Um, so that, that's actually a really funny story because that's a very, very casual thing. So um, my... Um, so, so I was really raised with this idea of networking and you have to contact people and holding. So when I would arrive, in, when I started my corporate career, um, people were very surprised that I would just knock on the door or pick up the phone. So 
you know, because for me, it was just very normal, right? I have a question. It's like you, I, I wanted to be on your podcast. I send you an email. Yeah. You say, no, fine. You say, yes, great. But, um, and so I got people around me asking, oh, and can you do a workshop? Can you coach me? And then little, little by little, what was for me something normal yes. became the side hustle. But I had the side hustle with never having an objective or, you know, it was nice to, and I really remember raising my price. That was like a game and the whole thing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, and because now when I think about it, I'm like, oh my God. And I probably was sitting on, on you know, on a chicken with golden eggs and I didn't explore <laughs> it. <laughs> well, was it something though that, was it the corporate people that were asking you? Yeah, um, so I uh, only worked with diplomats and financial financiers mm-hmm. um, because in those kinds of jobs, if you don't network, you're never going to make it. So um, it, it was very important. And also it's very um it's a bit embarrassing you know you're you're a diplomat you're supposed to be a good networker and it's not something that you necessarily be taught at university or schools or anything like that so for me it was also very easy to attract people because they would just see me doing it ask me the question I would tell them well you know I, I actually can help you because this is what I do um, so, it, you know, it was quite discreet. No one had to know and they didn't have to reach out to 230 people who might not understand what it is to be a diplomat and who might not understand that they're not you know, the perfect networker. Um, so it was, I was going to say, like a very easy job for me because it would bring in nice things. Um, but then when I moved to Singapore, well, I, I didn't have that connection anymore. I didn't have that same network anymore. So literally everything fell flat. And, and that's when I was like, oh, okay. What do I do now? <laughs> yeah, and you reinvented yourself. I love it. That's great. Yes, exactly. I found, you know, and I was telling you uh, earlier that I, the follow-up around the event that I did last week and connecting with the people that were there that expressed an interest in wanting to talk to me. My first go-to is still the phone. It's like mm-hmm. the first thing I'm going to do is try and call them. And if they answer... I'm, I'm going to say, do you have a couple of minutes? Like, I don't expect it to be a long call the first time, but just being able to talk to them to me is, um, I just think that's better for me um, moving forward than waiting for an email response or waiting for a t- you know, text message response. Cause even those take longer now. I just had somebody text message me and I don't know who she is, but she must've messaged me 13 minutes to go. And now it says still there. Like she's always trying to sell me something. I don't know. Oh yeah. She well, Janice, you have to jump on that one. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'll do, I'll be right there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And yeah, um, that's okay. not her. That's a, um, a robot or something that's doing. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Because I was going to, this is quite aggressive. Um, yeah. The, because it's actually, I, I use a lot of WhatsApp business in my business mm-hmm. um, because this is here, something that's very, very, very much used. Um, so I have to have that. In, I know I um, have it, but I don't like it because um, I've had a lot of um, cr- um, spam calls from uh, yeah. Croatia and all these places. And I'm sure it's from WhatsApp. It's the only ca- place it could have. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, if you use WhatsApp business, um, for example, set your expectations. You know, I have an automatic message if you WhatsApp me that will say, these are my working hours and this is when you can reach me. Um, oh, so you said WhatsApp business, not WhatsApp. Yes. Yeah, so that's a separate yep. app? Okay. That's- yes, you have the WhatsApp consumer and the WhatsApp business. Um, because okay. I'm like you, I use a lot of video, um, phone, text, um, email. 
if I do a first cold outreach, I will do that. But even that, I start to use more and more video because I feel that really makes a difference um, in a day-to-day life of everyone. So just before we head out, I want to um, ask you one of my favorite questions. And it's a two-part question. And I would love to hear your take on it. And it's basically based on my favorite word, which is curiosity. And so I would love to know, um, number one, part one, do you think that curiosity is innate or learned? And part two, what are you most curious about these days? Um, so for me, I think we all have it as a child. So it's innate, but it's how you work on it. Um, and this is actually a funny thing because here in Singapore, um, children are being prepped very early uh, for their academic career. So um, even at the age of three, four years old, they already put in lots of enrichment class. In the, um, and I, fortunately enough, I see that for lots of kids that is killing the curiosity mm-hmm. because um, you know, I, I grew up in a very open environment and you know, there were farms around and the whole thing. Um, we had a big family. So there was no way that my parents could limit my curiosity or kill that. So the innate curiosity I had, it really expanded mm-hmm. over the years. And um, my, my husband always said that I am the most curious people, person he knows because it is like, I need someone, I want to know where the people come from. And so, yeah, I think it's innate but it's us to decide if we work on it or not. So yeah, great point. And what are you most curious about these days? Uh, Crafting. Oh, (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Because like, like, you know, I have this creative mind, but um, I'm I'm also a very business focused person. So whenever I do something, it has to be with an objective. Um, uh, Yeah, but it's really like, you know, I recently completely got crazy because I have this um, tablecloth that I'm cross-stitching and I want it to be ready for Christmas and it's never going to be ready for Christmas but you know that's my objective so you know I really put this up and so last week I was like you know what I'm going to do something I just really love so I'm making an adult-sized penguin and papier mache zero zero utility wait 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 back 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 up you're making a paper a paper mache penguin yes just because? Uh, because I have a toddler who loves penguins. Love it. So. Oh, that's funny. My, and how old is your toddler? Three years old. Yeah. So my three-year-old, that's right. We talked about this. My three-year-old granddaughter is obsessed with spiders. So oh, yours yeah. is obsessed with penguins yeah. um, and mine's obsessed with spiders. She was, do you have Halloween there? Yes, we have Halloween. Yes. Yeah, so yes, was, yes. was your toddler a penguin for Halloween? Oh no, we didn't. We didn't celebrate. It's not like it's done here mostly by the American community and the Canadian community, but it's not really uh, like mainstream Singaporean culture. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So my granddaughter want, wanted to be a spider for Halloween. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, so she was a spider for Halloween. Anyway, it's, it's quite interesting what gets into their head. So you did a penguin, a paper mache. Oh, I'm I'm still working on it because okay. making a penguin and papier mache it takes yeah. weeks. You know. Oh my gosh, I love it. And then you'll write a book about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, because the thing is, people are like, oh, where do you get the ideas? And like, uh, you, you're just so creative. And I really enjoy it. Like, we, yeah. we really have a lot of fun of doing that. But again, it's like, 
what are we going to do with the penguin, right? Exactly. <laughs> I, I taught school, you know, I taught little kids and we did paper mache and things like that in school. And I hated it because I get, you know, I had to get it all organized and get it ready. But the kids loved it. They loved it. Oh, so, yes, they do. They do. Yeah. So I um, was craving a craft project just recently because I finished knitting a couple of sweaters for my granddaughter, but I hadn't put them together yet because I don't like doing that part, but I'm starting to put it together before I finish, <laughs> before I start my new project, which is much easier. Uh, I'm going to do a very big size needle um, uh, Afghan or, or throw for my, my daughter's moving to a new place. And so I'm going to do this throw and I didn't have the size needles. They're huge. Okay. So I found a store locally that would order them for me. So it's a new store that I haven't been to. So now I get to go to this new knitting store. I'm so excited. Oh, the, yeah. yeah. And you go for needles and you come back with like an entire box. Of you got it. It's going to be dangerous. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's a fun way to end this conversation because I think we got sidetracked, but I love that part because that's how I get to build relationship with people. Yes, exactly. Right? It's always fun to hear as well. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time today. Um, where can my audience find you? I think I know, but it's uh, um, your namesake, right? It's um, uh, at uh, onleetampier.com is your website. Yes, exactly. That's my website. Yes. And I will put, um, and also they can find you on LinkedIn and uh, reach out and say they heard you on my podcast and want to have a conversation. That would be awesome. Yeah, just, you know, just uh, introduce themselves. I'm really always um, happy to meet other people. So Awesome. So thank you again for being here. Any last thoughts uh, for my audience about writing a book or looking for a book coach? Uh, honestly just go for it uh, and ask around uh, this is a networking podcast so you know if you're a little bit scared of where you can find the person listen to a couple of episodes and uh, you will get uh, the idea um, because I, I might end with my motto like my motto is not can you open the door but how do you open the door so. mm, love it Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you to my audience again for being so great. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and um, write a review and let me know what you think. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.